0: Dan's laughing. Hello, Dan. <laughs> Hi, Riley. <Ryan. laughs>
1: You're oh. laughing about the
0: headache. I'm laughing about the headache. Yeah, I just said that I heard something funny on the internet where a woman described another woman as the physical representation of what a headache would look like. <laughs> and um, mm. I'm going to carry that one in my purse for a while.
1: Mm.
0: Here oh we God. are. Here we are. Episode 11.
1: Episode 11-1-1. One, one. The train has pulled into Eleven Town. We are on bus route number 11.
0: We are on Highway 11.
2: We go to 11.
0: Uh, it's my week. I'm it very sure excited. is, Riley. Yeah. Do we have any administrative details we need to iron out?
1: Well, I'd like to uh, uh, welcome everybody. Uh, I'd like to say to folks thanks for the continued uh, uh, interaction with us on social media. We love it. We do. We added a new account,
0: Riley. I don't know if you're aware of that. We, we're now on Instagram as well. I don't know Instagram because I'm a man of a certain age, and Instagram scares me. It's like TikTok; it scares me.
1: Yeah, it's, it's so. But this is a, an opportunity for us to share the pictures that we're talking about in a just very nice, clean way. And so, if you are on Facebook, it probably makes sense and have an Instagram account and just to take a look. If you're ever trying to look at the things that we're talking about, that's where we put. All of those pictures.
0: And they're good pictures.
1: They're drawings that my nine-year-old daughter has done.
0: I wish that was the case. I would love that. Actually, I should
1: get her to do that, shouldn't I?
0: Yeah, you should. Mm -hmm. By the way, I'm Riley. Oh, I'm Dan.
2: I'm Bonnie. I'm not supposed to say anything because I'm the producer.
0: (laughs) No, you're supposed to say hi.
2: Hi. Hi.
1: Bonnie, when you think about all the things you've gone through to be our producer and to be back on the air with us, uh, what you, you scaled a mountain in uh, Argentina, you got uh, uh, bit by several ticks in the Appalachians, had to go back to Arizona and get that extensive plastic surgery She loved me for that. (laughs) You've earned the right to announce yourself at the beginning of the show.
2: All right. It's good to be here. I'm so glad everyone listens.
1: Me too. I'm glad to be here. Folks, if you do like what you hear on our show, feel free to give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify. And just let us know if you're enjoying the show. It's always nice to get that feedback from you, the listener. Some of you have uh, shared messages with us, and that's really appreciated. We love, love, love the interaction uh, with your audience. So please keep that
0: coming. Please do. We love it. Shall I start my story? You shall. Okay, we're going back into the past. We're going back into the 1800s. Um, I don't think I've gone that far back before. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a picture frame. Just outside Nashville, Tennessee, is the town of Adams. And it was formerly known as Red River, Tennessee. It's a very you know, typical small American town, quiet, inconspicuous. Everybody knows everybody else. However, it was and is the site of one of the most vengeful manifestations ever recorded in North America. That manifestation is actually blamed for someone's death. So today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this podcast, I will now share with you the story of the bell, Witch.
1: Oh, I've heard of this. She haunts the telephone system. Oh my God. So like when you are calling and you get that automated system that makes you press all the different numbers and there's like 20, 24
0: sets of numbers. Is that the bell witch? That is the bell witch. That is her doing. That's called the curse of the telephone tree. I hate those telephone trees. I hate them so much. I do too. And they never have the thing that I'm calling about. No, you kind of have to
1: guess your way through. Like, I think this is the right kind of area.
0: I know. I just push zero until someone answers the phone. I just push zero. That's a good
1: good plan of action.
0: We're getting in the way back machine, and I'm pulling your souls back to 1804. In 1804, a gentleman named John Bell, his wife, Lucy Williams Bell, and 10 other families, including a family known as the Bats, set out from North Carolina to establish a new home in Red River, Tennessee. They were 100% pioneers. They joined, once they arrived, the newly formed Red River Settlement. Once they were settled, the Bells became very prosperous farmers very quickly. John Bell was a good businessman. He was shrewd, but he was also well-liked, very much respected by his neighbors, to the extent that he was appointed to function as an elder at the Red River Baptist Church. There's a little bit about what kind of guy John Bell was. Now enter the Batts family, who I mentioned earlier. The patriarch of that family was a guy named Frederick Batts, And he was seriously injured during a farming accident, and he spent the rest of his life unable to work. So as you can imagine, because farming was the principal livelihood for these people, things got really bad really fast. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Batts had no choice but to sell off parts of his property in order to feed his family and stay alive. So John Bell stepped in and purchased some of the Batts' land, but for less than it was worth. Uh. and bat's wife kate uh, frederick's wife kate bats accused bell of taking advantage of her husband's unfortunate circumstances she was pissed off and she vowed that bell and his family would pay dearly for what they had done now bell had also purchased a slave girl from frederick bats's brother benjamin However, when he saw the girl, he thought that she was too young. And so Belle left the slave girl in the care of her mother who lived with Benjamin Batts until she would be old enough for him to take to his homestead to work for him. So the time came when Belle finally came to bring the girl who was now old enough back to his farm. But Benjamin would not honor the agreement. He he said at this point, the girl was older and she was worth more than Belle had paid. So finally, in frustration, Bell sold the girl back to Benjamin Batts for more money than he had initially paid. And he just claimed it was interest. Benjamin hmm. Batts then filed a lawsuit against him for extortion. Now, Bell, John Bell, didn't even know the lawsuit existed, and so he never attended the hearing. Well, how, could you, how is that possible? Well, it's pioneer times.
1: Yeah, and so it's very rural. How, how close is, like, an actual town center? like a court where would the nearest court
0: be the nearest courts were in the city centers because i'm going to mention something let's let me go a little farther and then we'll come back to that the okay. court automatically ruled in benjamin bats's favor because bell never showed up and the judgment would was dispatched to red river where bell lived and was heard by the local church so i guess what they did back then was the court would rule and then dispatch the rule to the local church so i Guess, I don't know this kind of history, but I guess churches functioned as more than just churches. I guess they were like centers of community business because Mm. um, the church heard uh, the ruling and Bell was excommunicated. Really? The Baptist kicked his ass to the curb. And some say it was that excommunication that opened the door for evil to enter the Bell home. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the Bat's wife. Frederick Batts' wife was named Kate Batts, and she had become the head of the family because, as I said before, Frederick had been injured and couldn't work. She was mean, she was harsh, and nobody liked her, and she was generally avoided by everyone. She had no friends except her cat. Mm -hmm. Many of the townsfolk believed that she was practicing witchcraft, and they speculated that her husband's accident had probably been a punishment from God because she was practicing the dark arts. However, nobody in the community dared to accuse her. She was that scary. She was a scary woman. Hmm. Okay, now we're at 1817. One night, Bell is out hunting when he spots a strange creature he's never seen before. He described it as having the head of a rabbit on the body of a large dog covered in coarse black fur. He was so startled that he fired his gun, and he was 100% certain that he had struck the creature because it fell. But when he approached to investigate, there was no body. There were no tracks in the grass. The creature had simply vanished. Not long after that incident, things began to happen at the Bell home. At night, they began to hear what sounded like small stones being thrown against the side of their giant log house.
1: This is reminding me of the Blair Witch Project. Oh,
0: it's better than that.
1: Do you remember the stones? You hear the stones? I know, but the, I hate that. It's so creepy. That's such a creepy little thing. And it's ah.
0: Stones against houses and the roofs and, and the roof. Roofs? Roofs? How do you say that? Bonnie, roofs? Roofs? Roofs. Roofs. roofs of, uh, stones on the roofs of houses is a really common thing in hauntings. You hear it all the time. In the Bible, too. Rain of stones. Uh, They would run outside to see who was throwing the stones, but there was no one ever there. Mm -hmm. The Bells thought that it was probably the Bats family up to no good because they were bitter. Then sounds began to come from within the house itself. At night, they would hear loud thuds, loud knocking on the walls, and long scraping sounds as if chains were being dragged across the floor. They could also hear the sound of huge stones hitting the roof, and the children said they could hear rats gnawing on the, um, on the feet of their beds throughout the night. When they would turn on the lights, or the lamps, I guess it would lamps. when they would turn the lamps on, they could never find the source. So they decided in exasperation that they would just try to ignore it. But this didn't work. And then the attacks began. In the middle of the night, the children's blankets would be abruptly pulled back. And they would wake up to find they were completely uncovered. Uh. The children would look out the windows in the middle of the night, and they could see lights in the fields at the very edge of the woods. And they looked like candles bobbing in the darkness. So it's the winter of 1817. And their daughter, Elizabeth, woke one night to find that her hair had been tied in knots around her headboard. So her headboard oh had spindles in it, and somehow during, during the, the hours that she had been asleep, her hair had been tied in knots. She couldn't move. She tried to get up, and at that moment, her face was abruptly slapped a number of times by an invisible hand. Oh, my gosh. So reacting to her screams, her family came running in. They got the lights going, and they found hand-shaped welts on the face of the hysterical girl. The same thing then began to happen to the younger son, who also had similar marks on their legs and faces. Wow. At this point, they couldn't ignore it anymore. Bell feared for his family, but he tried to keep the matter quiet. So they turned to prayer, and they were praying vigilantly every night, but it had no effect. And then the spirit began to whisper, At first, the voice was described as sounding like that of a feeble elderly woman. It was unintelligible. And it just said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. Oh, no. (laughs) Then as time passed, it became stronger and more refined. And it started to sound like low musical notes. One person said it sounded like the the bow of a cello being drawn back and forth. But then the notes would also become high-pitched and horrible if the spirit was angered. Now you think we're done, but we're not because now the apparitions begin to appear. Mm. The slaves working at the farm, because it was that time, begin to see strange birds and animals at night. Many of which spoke one day while out for a walk, Elizabeth, the daughter who had her hair tied to the, uh, to the bed frame, mm-hmm. saw a girl in a green dress hanging from her hands on a tree branch. As she approached, the girl vanished into thin air. At this point, the Bell family was overwhelmed. They weren't sleeping. They were spending most of their waking and and, and night hours, I, most of their hours, terrified and helpless. Mm-hmm. The voice began to speak intelligible words, and it could often be heard stating its desire to kill John Bell, the father of the family. At this point, Bell had to reach out, so he turned to his neighbor, James Johnson, for help. So Johnson, I love this, Johnson and his wife would come each night to the Bell home and join the family in prayer. So they would wow. do their little prayer circle. On one such occasion, Johnson became so frustrated with the spirit babbling that he demanded to know the name of the spirit. And a distant voice said, Kate. Seeing that the prayer vigils were having no effect, Johnson advised Bell to seek the help of the community. And finally, because he was at the end of his rope, Bell agreed. And he's been excommunicated though, right? He's still a valued member of the community. Interesting. So once he opened up about it, gossip about the haunting spread like fire and folks started to show Mm -hmm. up at the Bell house day and night to witness the manifestation. And let me tell you, they were rarely disappointed. The spirit loved to make an appearance. Here's some interesting history. In 1819 news of the haunting eventually reached a uh, very well-respected general by the name of Andrew Jackson. Yep, That Andrew Jackson who decided to investigate the matter for himself because he owned a tract of land just a few miles from the bell home. Okay. So he took a few men of his mil- military men and decided that he would camp near the Bell House to find out what was going on. As Jackson's company approached the house, the wagon's wheels ceased and would not move. Nothing could budge the wagon. They couldn't figure out what was going on. A voice then was heard that said, General, you can move on now. I will speak with you later tonight. Seconds after that, uh the wheels moved freely again as if nothing had happened. His entourage arrived at the Bell home and they pitched their tents in the Bell's front yard and had a lovely dinner with the family, after which they all sat in the parlor and sang hymns. That's my favorite part. I love that it was a time when you just go over, have a nice dinner and then sing some hymns. Well, we should
1: get back to doing that, Riley. You should, uh, you and Bonnie can come over. I'll feed you my famous craft dinner and bologna and, and we'll sing some hymns.
0: Yeah. One of the soldiers noted that the manifestation hadn't made an appearance that night. And he claimed it was because he was in possession of a silver bullet. In that era was known as a witch tamer. So back then, silver bullets were called witch tamers. And he boasted loudly that the, the spirit was scared to make an appearance because he had that bullet in his gun. Well, at that moment, he was kicked in the arse. And the kicking didn't stop until he was thrust out of the door of the bell home by an invisible being. Hmm. The entity then spoke and said, This man is a fraud. You have another in your party. Tomorrow, I will call him out. Well, the Jackson group had planned to stay several nights, but they left after only one. Riley, is that the way the, the voice sounded? No, it was a woman's voice.
1: Okay, so not like a game show host. No, it was a woman's voice. The next member of this
0: party is going to be eliminated, but receive these parting gifts a new shovel, a pitchfork. It was always rice the San Francisco treat. Yeah,
1: that's why they uh, they discovered San Francisco in order to secure uh, rice aroni, the staple product of there Northern was- California. I loved rice aroni.
2: And there was turtle wax. Turtle wax, too.
1: there you go. To interrupt with something really important, I didn't eat. Much rice aroni as a child, a child. I had hamburger helper. Thank you
0: very much. I grew up in the States, so rice aroni is like a thing.
2: We never
0: had rice aroni. They see, I'm from outside Boston, so it's like a thing. All right. So they had planned to stay several nights, but they left after only one. And legend has it that as he was leaving, Jackson said, I would rather face the whole of the British army than spend another night at the Bell House. Wow. Hmm. No official report, military report, on the incident was ever made by Jackson. So it's impossible to verify that any of what I just told you actually happened. But a lot of people say that it did. Interestingly enough, Bell's wife, Lucy, was never treated badly by the manifestation. It was actually quite the opposite. In 1820, Lucy came down with a serious lung inflammatory condition and the doctor said that her chances of survival weren't very good. And throughout her battle with the illness, it is said that the spirit, which was known as Kate, would sing hymns to her, there's the hymns again, and leave hazelnuts and grapes on her pillow.
1: That's nice.
0: Yeah, it's nice. It's like a hotel, you can get chocolates. And Lucy recovered completely from her illness, which she was not supposed to recover from. Not long after that, her husband John's health began to decline quite rapidly. At first, he experienced problems swallowing. He had nervous twitches. And it got to the point where he would just fall to the ground and have seizures. Hmm. In December 1820, he was found dead in his bed. Oh, my God. And and sorry, and how old was he? He was in his
1: 40s. He's not that old. He wasn't that old. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. I mean, I guess old for that time, but not old. Like still, that's not dying of old age. That's not.
0: Not an old feeble man at all. No. No. And his decline was very rapid. Uh, Apparently from the point when the swallowing problems occurred to the moment when he was found dead in his bed was a matter of weeks. Mm. When they examined the body, a strange odor was found to be lingering around his mouth and they found a vial filled with a strange cloudy liquid lying nearby. And when they smelled it, it had the same odor as that strange odor that they identified around the body. So there was a lot of speculation about murder. And of course, Lucy Batts was the popular choice as the guilty party. However, on several occasions, the ghostly voice of Kate, the apparition, was heard to proclaim, I fixed his medicine last night and gave him a big dose of it. He'll never get out of that bed again. For the first mm-hmm. time ever in U.S. history, a death was blamed officially on a supernatural entity. So that's what mm-hmm. they said. They said that he died by supernatural interference.
1: Wow. 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 Weird. That. So that's the official account.
0: That's the official account. Yeah. They say that the uh, uh, apparition, Kate, made an appearance at John's funeral. You'll love this, Dan. It's something we do. They say that Kate made an appearance at John's funeral and mocked Belle throughout the service by singing body songs and cackling. Body songs? Like, you know, oh, grab the woman and grab her boobs. La, 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 la. That kind of song.
1: Hey, or, pee and poo,
0: me and you, let's all sing and dance. Something like Have that. a beer, have a beer, you know, and I'll poo-poo in my pants it's like that whenever i hear a body song i always think of um papa from oliver i think that would be um papa um papa i think that's i think that's a body i think that's kind of what they mean a big drinking song you get drunk and you sing i don't know anyway they're dirty they're dirty songs yes so she she messed up the funeral she sang these awful songs and she cackled After Bell's death, the activity began to wane, and finally, Kate seemed to have left the house for good. Hmm. In the spring of 1821, a well-respected young man named Joshua Gardner asked to marry Elizabeth Bell, the daughter who I mentioned earlier, whose hair had been tied to the bed, Yes, and she said yes. One day while she was out for a walk, Elizabeth again saw the girl hanging in the tree, Hmm. and the girl warned her not to marry Gardner. The spirit then vanished. Terrified that the manifestation would return and haunt her family again, Elizabeth broke off the engagement. At that point, the spirit left the family, but she told them where she was going. She said, I was so weird. She said that she was going to the West Indies and would be back in seven years. And she did just that. She visited John Bell Jr., who was no. in the West Indies. And he said he spent three nights talking to the manifestation named Kate. The first night they talked about the past, the second about the present, and the third about the future. She then said farewell, and she promised to return in 107 years. That would be 1935, to the most direct descendant of John Bell. Oh, weird. There's no evidence that she ever returned in 1935 because it was the Great Depression. I also I found that a bit weird, because it's very Dickensian, because... Mary, yeah, I was just going to say that.
2: I Same here, yeah.
0: The past, the present, and the future. I wonder if, when was that written? Let me check. Yeah, because, I mean, this is 18, like, twenty two, twenty three 23 when this happened, so maybe Dickens heard about it and stole the idea.
2: He was writing later than that, so it's quite possible that he would set them earlier. So let me just double-check here... It was published in
0: 1843. So he could have heard about that.
1: There's a chance. I think it's it's
0: hard proof, Riley. Well, that's a remarkable coincidence that she spent three nights, the ghost spent three nights with him talking about the past, the present, and the future.
1: Well, I just wonder if that's a common belief that ghosts would come in if there was a ghost of past, present, and future. I wonder what the lore is behind that, right? Who knows? I can tell you who knows. Kate knows. Exactly.
0: There's no evidence that the ghost, like I said, ever came back in 1935, because they had other stuff to worry about, like surviving the Great Depression. So there you go. That's the story of the Bell Witch. So let me encapsulate. There's a few things I wanted to talk about. I was lucky enough to stumble across um, a guy who spent 40 years researching this issue and mm-hmm. he was a wonderful fountain of knowledge font of knowledge. So we're dealing with a time of gossip and rumor yeah. and folk tales and legends of witches
1: and a time where they're not very skeptical, right? They're not going to question maybe to the same degree that we do today.
0: They were more spiritual than we are. So right. more the, the scale was more weighed in spiritual than in science, right? After all, I've told you the primary haunting is, lasted only four years that was just four years of their lives there are many more stories of what the manifestation did i could go on and on about it and they vary in degrees of malevolence sometimes the uh the the creature is extremely malevolent and sometimes she just hangs out at night and talks with the uh the people in the bell home many of the stories come from credible witnesses with good reputations like john bell a lot of folks speculate that the ghost story was invented to cover up john bell's murder now lucy bell was the sister of john williams jr who was the father of kate bats so oh. there's a theory that there might have been a conspiracy between kate and lucy to get rid of bell oh interesting but the fly in the ointment there is why would she torture her own children right right The children went through hell.
1: And Andrew Jackson was there in the middle of this. And and are his accounts documented or is this like? No. Okay. So he never came on the record and said, I experienced this. Most of this is not verifiable at all. Right. Okay. Okay.
0: Kate Batts was also alive through the whole ordeal. So a lot of people who speculated that she was a spirit Kate, well, no, she was alive. But some say that she might've been the kind of witch that could will her spirit to leave the body. Mm -hmm. So she would sit in a rocking chair by the fire and send her spirit over to the bell house to torment them. Incidentally, um, Kate Batts, uh, the unpopular Kate Batts, died in 1843. The most popular theory is that she was behind it all and that she called upon a demon or spirit to torment the Bell family because she felt that they had done her family wrong. Mm -hmm. One other theory claims that it was one of Elizabeth's admirers um, who was motivated by jealousy but it doesn't really hold any water. So uh, wrap this up. There are still occurrences in the area to this day. Really? Yeah, it's called Adams now, but it was Red River back in the day. The townsfolk, including Bell's descendants who still live there, have experienced many unexplained events. For example, Bob Bell, who's still alive. I love Bob Bell. They all have these really just very anglo saxon names. Bob Mm -hmm. Bell remembers his grandmother once calling his father and and screaming for him to come to the house because there was an intruder. And when Bob and his father arrived at the house, they found Mm -hmm. that there were no intruders there at all. But in the kitchen, the entire contents of her china cabinet was strewn all over the floor, but none of the dishes were broken. None of the crystal goblets, nothing. They were just strewn around the floor. Tom Henson, who's the curator of the Town of Adams Museum, says that people who visit the Bell property are warned not to take anything home with them because one man took a rock from a cave on the property, and within three days, he had lost his job, his home, and his wife. It's a country-western song for you right there. Uh Just so you know, the cave is a popular paranormal hotspot. However, it never figured in the original event it's commonly referred to as the Bell Witch Cave. I've mentioned this before. If you go on YouTube, you will find a million people have gone to the Bell Witch Cave. You know, those paranormal people I talk about who are like, yeah. it's very cold over here. And all of a sudden, our meters are all in the red. You know, that kind of stuff they all do. They say that the cave had been an important site for First Nations initially, and had also been used by Jesse James that he had holed up there. Yeah. Oh. During the time of the, the haunting, the four years of the haunting, though, the Bells just used the cave for dry storage. So my final statement to you all is there's a movie based on this, and it's got Sissy Spacek in it and uh, Donald Sutherland, and it's called An American Haunting.
1: Okay, okay. I This sounded familiar. It's a rough uh, adaptation of, of the Bell Witch story. It's from, like, what, the 1980s, that movie? Later.
0: Bonnie will tell you.
2: 2005
0: see she was already on it okay yeah so if you want to see sort of a fictionalization of the of the story you can watch that movie
1: so that's my story i find that stuff genuinely terrifying it actually also reminded me of the movie witch
0: i love that movie with the sheep
1: yeah that strange sheep that dark creepy pioneer We talked about that with one of our, I think with the um, Van Meter visitor about how creepy small towns can be. But how much creepier are these homesteads
0: that are, the the home itself is on an island
1: unto itself. There's not even a town
0: surrounding. Well, you know, I'm obsessed with what I call, and I, I think I might have made up the term, rural gothic. Because Keith, my partner, he comes from a rural setting I do not and he, they, they're they're very gothy, spooky, gloomy kind of people. Sometimes rural oh, yeah. folk, but they'll be like, oh yeah, he fell in the combine, and you know, he lost his two legs. But his wife Agnes looked after him, and they were happy. And mm-hmm. my uh, partner's mother will call up and just say, oh yeah, you know, Ed Ed Beard died, and you know, he he died in his sleep. It was he it was time. There's just there's this rural gothicness, and I don't know if I was still in university, I might want to do a thesis on it because I would like to to be known as having come up with the term and also fleshing it out, but rural Gothic, that's what I call
1: it. Well, frontierism absolutely changes your worldview, the way that you interact with others. You have to have a certain level of toughness in order to survive in that world. I noticed that too, with my wife's family that has a, a strong rural Irish background and there's a stoicism there that I don't see in my very urban family, like my, from my parents. And they handle things differently than
0: I'm used to. I like that. The stoicism, that's a very
1: good way of describing it. Yeah, Uh, yeah. because it's not, it's not a, it's a, it's a, I think a positive trait to have, especially if it's balanced, right? With empathy and things like that. But it's, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I, and that adds a real spooky layer to it. I was wondering why this was called the witch because it sounded more like a poltergeist or something that was
0: invading their home. The popular theory is that the manifestation was the result of witchcraft.
1: Right. And that Kate perhaps was the witch who was... Behind
0: it, yeah. That they, yeah, that they had... I don't think poltergeist had even, wasn't even a thing then. And I think that the only answer that they could think of was that someone had called forth a demon to torment the family. hmm Yeah. Also, when you were mentioning the stoicism and all of that, I mean, in this time, the pioneer folk, I think communities were more than just communities. They were almost extended families. They really had to take care of each other and... Like I said earlier, the church had a much more important role to play than it does now.
1: Yeah, for for sure they would have. This also would make an excellent origin story. Like when you're mentioning about the animals, the weird animals, and then eventually how those weird animals start talking. This would make a great origin story for the, uh, the McDonald's family of
0: creatures. Oh, like the Grimace. Tweety
1: Bird, Grimace.
0: Tweety Bird's not in McDonald's. Yeah, that bird. There's no bird in McDonald's. There's Mayor McCheese, Mayor McCheese, the Hamburglar, the Grimace. Yeah, there's a bird. They're no bird. Yeah, there's a bird. Look it up, Bonnie. And
1: and then the creepiest one of all. The French fry kids. And the, oh, French the fry. French fry kids, yes. And then Ronald McDonald would be the warlock in this case.
2: Oh, no, you are correct. Huh. Ronald, Grimace, Birdie, and Fry Kids. I have never heard. There's apparently also Sunday is Ronald's dog.
1: I don't remember that.
2: Grimace. We've talked about Grimace. Mm -hmm. Hamburglar. Birdie the early bird. She was the first identifiably female character who debuted in 1980 promote the company's new breakfast items birdie the early bird
1: i would remember that more because that was right in my prime time years of uh being deluged by mcdonald's advertising that being said i think we could all agree those characters would fit perfectly in with this story no we wouldn't
0: all agree
2: (laughs) i was gonna add I, i looked up poltergeists and actually they were in um in folklore in the 1600s but
0: wasn't that just germany I think that's Germany. You know those Germans in the Black Woods, the Black... What is it called? The Black Forest? Black Forest, yes, because Black Black Forest cake. Black Forest cake is something you can only love if you're under the age of 12. That's one of the only cakes I do like. Still?
1: Darker chocolate and cherries. It's not overly sweet.
0: We can't eat chocolate. What are we waiting for? Bonnie, look up something. No, I'm done. Oh, okay. Okay, so um, you guys... That's the story, and I'm sticking to it. What did you think of the spookiness, Bonnie?
2: It was a little spooky. I don't know. i'm I'm kind of skeptical about stuff like that, mm. but the, the thing with the uh, the girl getting her hair uh, Elizabeth having her hair tied, that was really spooky. And um, the fact that this spirit uh, traveled to um, to the Caribbean and met with John Junior and talked to him for three days was also very bizarre. So, yeah, that's a little spooky. I don't know. I'm kind of reluctant now that I've said it. I don't want Kate to come and visit me.
0: Mm -hmm. She hasn't made an appearance in quite
1: a while. Perhaps all the technical interruptions we've had in this recording
0: was her. I love the setting. I love anything to do. And like I said, this is the farthest back we've gone so far. Yeah. So I, I liked I like the setting. I like the idea of the pioneers, and and it was just such a, a time filled with, you know, superstition and folklore and fear. And people still believed in um the mysterious world. Regardless of the source, it is
1: creepy, whether it's it's fiction or non. It's creepy. The time period is creepy. The fact, I mean, apparently something did happen with these people. I have no doubt about that. Whether the source was supernatural or not is irrelevant. Creepy stuff. I I, I would even argue this is the creepiest story that we've covered. More than the asylum or like the Mary Celeste. I think to me this is
0: spooky. Oh, the asylum for me still.
2: I love the story. Can I change my answer? (laughs) (laughs)
0: It's a great story. Okay, I think we're done. I think we've, um, we've, we've, we've done, we've done the Bellwitch justice. So I, um, I thank the listeners for taking this journey with us. Dan, anything administrative you want to say? No, I think we covered it at the top of the show. I do want to say thanks for listening. Bonnie, words of wisdom.
2: Oh, thank you for listening. And uh, just contact us. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. Uh, we want to deliver podcasts that you're all enjoying
0: we love Thank you guys you. very much and listen um we'd like to have a fun halloween event if there's enough of you out there who can send us your ghost stories to share with us we'll do a halloween episode where we have listener ghost stories and we'll we'll regale you with tales from our listeners how about that <laughs> exactly so good night good day whatever we'll see you soon yeah goodbye everybody good night Oh, grab the woman and grab her boobs. La, 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 la. Yay! Hey, pee and poo, me and you, let's all sing and dance. Yay! Have a beer, have a beer, you know, poo-poo in my pants. Yay!